Glassering Collective with Your Name is Power on Victory 91.5. It's Coffee with Corey. He's singing about the Holy Spirit. We're yeah. talking about the Holy Spirit. And we would not be able to do this without your support. We want to thank Bob Bailey's Appliance, one of our morning show partners. They've been in business since 1962, serving customers all over the North Metro Atlanta area with appliances for all around the home. And there's more about Bob Bailey's Appliance at BobBailey's.com. So we're going to start with a very basic question. What is Pentecost? And when is Pentecost, too? It's, uh, you know, we talked about three languages. So for some, there'll be, it's a harvest festival. You know, back during Passover, you celebrate the harvest of barley. And at Pentecost, it's the harvest of wheat. So most basically, if you lived and grew all your food, you would love to know what kind of bread you're going to eat. So that was a harvest <laughs> festival. And it's uh, exactly seven weeks from the, res- the day we look at as Resurrection Day or First Fruits when Jesus rose from the grave. And it was when you harvested the barley. And now we have another First Fruits, which is begins tonight, if you're in from the Jewish perspective. And it begins what they call the Feast of Weeks. Now, several things happen on this. For them, the most important thing is this is when they arrived from Egypt to Mount Sinai and received the law of God, mm. Moses went up on the mountain and God actually declared it out loud to them. So it's a pretty big deal because they are caretakers of the word of God. So Pentecost is huge of the Feast of Weeks. Now, so this is tonight. They'll celebrate tonight all the way through tomorrow night and then all the way through Saturday night. Uh, For some, they'll celebrate on Pentecost Sunday. All right. That's more of the uh, English version of this. Which is this Sunday. Which is this Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, which is anniversary where you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. It's it's an appropriate time to really focus in. What do you do? How do you celebrate? You pray. You pray, you pray, you pray, because that's what they were doing when God came down. That's what they should have been doing when God said, I want to marry you. It's all about the wedding between God and man. It's a cool time. And we're just going to dig in. You know, for the next several hours, we're going to be digging and talking about uh, how can we interact, how can we encounter God through this particular festival. Now, these are called appointed times, all right? From the beginning of time, God set apart these special days throughout the year. They were called Moed or Moedim, the appointed times. They were practical times, such as when the harvest was gathered and when sacrifices were made for their sin. These days were also a roadmap that marked how and when Jesus would save the world and then also judge the world. So he began the work of saving us when Jesus was conceived during the Festival of Lights. When he was born on the Feast of Trumpets, Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling or tabernacle among us. He identified himself as the Messiah at the Feast of Purim. He died at Passover, rose again on first fruits, walked with his disciples for the 40 days between during this what we call the counting of the Omer, which ends officially today, then ascended and poured out the Holy Spirit on the Feast of Weeks or Pentecost. So it's kind of connected there, as you can see. Likewise, Scripture tells us his work of future judgment will occur on these appointed times as well, including the second coming, the tribulation, the rapture, the judgment, the wedding of the bride, that's us, and every other event in eternity. Feast days, if you think about it like this, are future-facing windows that allow us to peer into the end times and gain prophetic understanding. And as a result, these glimpses or previews of the Great Tribulation often coincide with these feast days. Now, I want to give you a little bit of history here. I love history. So 
If you're a history fan, you'll relate. So how these feast days and how the glimpses that I believe we're having now related in the, to two world wars in the last century. The February Revolution in Russia began at Purim in 1917, leading to the Tsar abdicating his throne within a week. Lenin and Trotsky returned from exile just after Passover during the counting of the Omer. Just before Pentecost, the Kronstadt Rebellion began. At Purim, the Bolsheviks were 24,000. By Feast of Trumpets, there were 200,000. Jump ahead to World War II. German troops invade Austria at Purim in 1938. At Feast of Trumpets in 1938, Hitler signed the Munich Agreement, which Czechoslovakia surrendered its border regions, defenses to the Nazis. At Yom Kippur, the Nazis invalidated all German passports held by Jews. And at Purim 1942, Auschwitz was established. And just to add an unusual end times twist, the tribulation, we believe, they believe seven years. Auschwitz was open exactly three and a half years. Mm. So that would have been that midpoint where it switches uh, inside of those seven years. Now, the Civil War did not seem to have these glimpses, these kind of features, but it did start and end on a feast. Jefferson Davis was appointed the president of the Confederate States a week before Purim in 1861. Robert E. Lee surrendered to Grant at Passover in 1865. Abraham Lincoln was murdered a few days later on First Fruits or Good Friday during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So as you can see, no matter when you go back through time, these feast days give you have an unusual connection to uh, this, the judgment in the end times. And so it allows us to look, and I believe God does this to prepare us, so when it does come, if we're still, still here on the planet, uh, we will be better prepared. So let's talk about the first thing as we talked about that happens is the Antichrist rises. Well, obviously, the Antichrist does it in this one, but Antichrists with a little a. Dear children, this is the last hour, as you've heard, that the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. That's First John. Now, the Apostle John encountered his share of Antichrist, <laughs> enduring the cruelty of Herod Antipas and his murderous lineage, as well as seven murderous emperors from Rome, including Dimension, who had him seized and attempted to boil him in a vat of oil in front of the crowds. Witnesses say that the oil didn't burn John, though, so he preached and converted many in the crowd. Enraged, Dominion sent John to the Isle of Patmos to work at hard labor for the rest of his life. He eventually was released, but it was there he received the vision recorded in the book of Revelation, revealing the nature of the Antichrist and the end times. As Jesus chose John to see and hear the future end of the world, so we need a spiritually directed worldview like John's to properly discern the times we're living in. If there were many Antichrists in the first century when first John was written, and the last hour has progressed for 2,000 years, I think it's safe to assume that many more antichrists should be active in our world. In fact, the Bible says in Ephesians, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I just think we need to get a grip on that. As Europe's salvation in the 1930s required Winston Churchill, so we need God-directed wisdom because antichrists are also flesh and blood and will attain as much authority and power as possible to kill, steal, and destroy. The saying, those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it, should compel us to question everyone who desires our applause, our affection, or obedience. 
First John 22 says, Who is the liar? It's whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a person is the Antichrist, denying the Father and the Son. In 2020, here's what we've faced so far. If you wonder how your year has been. A viral worldwide pandemic of sickness and death, forced unemployment, the intentional crashing of strong economies, causing unprecedented worldwide famine, rampant fear, quarantines, a loss of civil rights, panic, scarcity, tax against authority and elected leadership, lots of deception, lies and disunity, the likelihood of biological warfare, a foreign subterfuge, angry division, rage, the loss of spiritual discernment, graves filling up worldwide, elected leaders' decisions being directed by unelected medical professionals, the label of people as essential and non-essential, churches closed, physically spiritual authorities stunted and a powerful deception to shift national agendas all right john 10 says this the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy i have come that they may have life and that they have may have it more abundantly so first off a deadly virus definitely has killed hundreds of thousands worldwide about 350,000 but the antichrist are not hungry for lives they're here for power and authority you know, as a little boy, I would wake up each morning and, you know, run downstairs, read the comics in the newspaper. But I couldn't avoid looking down the ever-growing, ever-changing list of death notices from the Vietnam War peering back at me. For the last few months, news reports, news conferences, and special websites all updated to the minute to give us the number of those who have died from this virus. I believe just a serious and unhealthy obsession with death and fear has fallen on our nation, too. Growing up in America has meant to not worry about Antichrist rising. The term Antichrist would likely bring Hitler to mind because of the cruelty and sadistic nature of the Holocaust. But to recognize Hitler and his henchmen as Antichrist is hardly contentious. But genocides have been way too common. There was the Armenian, the Soviet, Eastern European, the Chinese, Japanese, Cambodian, Rwandan. Yeah, and the list goes on. Wars are even more common, and none of them exploded. They all simmered. And, of course... I think we all would agree one simple thing. The due will come one day for the Holocaust of children that has been marched unchecked across the globe for decades. 50 million babies murdered each year. 137,000 every day. It's now approaching two babies killed every second of every day. How is that not... A holocaust. So as we look into this perspective, the value of human life has already been stripped away. So it's not hard to begin this journey. So as we get ready for Pentecost, I'm going to take you back through Purim, which would have been the first horseman glimpse review, not the real horseman. And we'll start at Purim coming up next. Coming up, we're going to hear from verses and unspoken after we hear a word from our morning show partner. Automation Direct would like to share.